no Georgia one have on my red shirt. So if you have your Bible, please open it to Psalm sixteen. going to be looking at verses 5 through 11 today. Can y'all hear me well? You can't? What about now? Okay. Let me move it up closer. If I can. Okay. Still can't. Well, I'd have to talk loud, I guess. How are we going to keep the fire burning? That's a question that we've been talking about the past two weeks. How are we going to keep the fire burning within this church? How are we going to keep it fed? How are we going to keep it stirred? How are we going to keep the ashes removed? How? It's through our created purpose. Why we were created? Why does the village church exist? Why do you exist? You exist to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, to glorify Jesus. That is our created purpose. Do you know him in seven faith? If so, you will live a life of faith and repentance. Do you enjoy him? Last Sunday, we started talking about what it means to actually enjoy Jesus. To enjoy him as you would enjoy your spouse. Like you enjoy your kids. Or like you enjoy your stuff. Do you enjoy Jesus that way? I said, we are enjoying him. There would be a growing dependency on him. If you enjoy the Lord, are you going to depend upon his lordship? And you will grow in fellowshipping with his people. Can't say you love Jesus and don't love his bride. Those two things don't go together. So you will grow in fellowship with his people as well. Now this morning we're going to finish talking about what it means to enjoy him. And we're going to look at the last, these last verses of Psalm 16, beginning in verse 5. The Lord is my chosen portion. And my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells securely, for you will not abandon my soul to shalom, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Please pray with me. Father, as we come to your word, I pray that your spirit will move. 
that he would move, that he would take what is preached, Father, and apply it to our hearts, that I would get out of the way, that my pride and my ego or, or my strength and my weaknesses would move to the side and that the Spirit would come in and do his job, that I would not be a hindrance to that. For it's not about me. It's about you. It's not about the man in the pulpit. It's about the king who died. It's about him. And your people need to hear from you this morning. You know what we're dealing with. You know the circumstances, the situations. You know the things that we don't want other people to know about us. You know what we're dealing with. What we are afraid of what we're trying to hide. We need your truth to speak into that, into that situation, into that issue, into that fear, so that when we leave here, we'll have great assurance that our God is forever faithful, that our God is forever with us, that he is for us despite what we go through. So Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we need our Trinitarian God to speak this morning. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. In these verses here, David shows us two more things believers are to be growing in. If you enjoy the Lord, then you will be growing in contentment with the provisions he has given you in your life. Verses 5 and 6. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You uphold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. David is communicating contentment with what the Lord has done in his life and is doing in his life. He says that Yahweh Remember Yahweh, that's the, the name of the Lord. And it means the self-existent one, the transcendent one, the holy one, the righteous one, the one who is unchangeable. That Lord, that God is his chosen portion in his cup. The one who holds his lot. What does that mean? What, what is he talking about, portions and lots? Portion deals with destiny talks about, it deals with future. A future that has been allotted to a person. And in our context, this destiny and future has, has been allotted, not by fate, not by chance, not by karma, but by the will and providence of Yahweh. Yahweh is the chosen portion, future, and destiny. The cup metaphor, it paints the same picture for us. Now, usually in the Bible, when you hear the word cup mentioned, it's not always in the positive light. Usually it's a cup of wrath, of judgment. But David here uses it in a positive. Drinking from the cup of Yahweh's will and his providence, his provisions. He's drinking from Yahweh himself. That's the cup. Are you content with the Lord this way in your life? Not talking about right now. Talking about in your day-to-day -day life. Is he your cup? Is he your chosen portion? 
to say Yahweh is my chosen portion is if you are enjoying him, truly enjoying the Lord, then you will grow in contentment in him as the one who upholds your life, your future, your day-to-day life. You will find joy and contentment in drinking from the cup of his will, the cup of his providence, the cup of his provisions that he's given to you in your life. No, your stuff is not your stuff. They're not your toys. They're his. And David says, Yahweh upholds his lot. What does that mean? Lot is refers to life, circumstances, conditions in life. Yahweh upholds your life. He supports and maintains your life, your circumstances, your conditions. He has a grip on your life that's firmly secure. And his hold on you will never be weakened by the enemy. Do you believe that? His grasp on your life will not be weakened by the world or whatever life throws at you. Not even the things you do can weaken his grip on your life. Again, do you believe that? Do you? He is the support being that upholds your life. Again, do you believe that? He bears the weight of it. He is the cornerstone of your life. And what is a cornerstone? A cornerstone is a stone that forms the base of a corner of a building. It's the foundational stone. Very important. Why is it important? Because all the other stones in that building are based on that cornerstone. And if that cornerstone is messed up, then guess what? The whole building is messed up. The whole building is messed up without that cornerstone. Yahweh is your cornerstone of your lot, of your life. Again, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Yahweh is determining the structure of your life. Keep in mind, You are not the support beam of your life. Your success isn't. Your education isn't. Your money isn't. It's not. None of those things are the cornerstone of your life. If they are, they are a weak foundation, and you stand on sinking sand, and you're going to sink. There is only one that's a firm foundation, and that is Christ alone. All other grounds are what? Sinking sand. How many are you sinking this morning in your own sand? Who's sinking? Your life, your future, your destiny at this very moment is being supported and upheld by Yahweh. Even the pagan who doesn't know Yahweh benefits from that. Because God's creator of his creation. Even those who don't know him benefits from that. How much more his people? How much more his bride, how much more his church, we benefit from it greatly. Are you content? More about Jesus, you just sung about, but do you really believe that? Honestly. Honestly. Or is it more of other stuff? More of what I don't have? He is your cornerstone, your support being. Be content with his will and what he provides in your life. 
If you are content with that, you can say what David says here in verse 6. The lions have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. You can't say that if you're not content or growing in contentment in the Lord. Lions here is referring to lions used to measure out or divide land or property. David is saying Yahweh's lines or provision for him have fallen into pleasant places, and he's content with it. Think about it like this. All the houses out here on Virginia Boulevard are divided by property lines, right? Which means one neighbor can't go into another neighbor's property and do whatever they want to or take their stuff legally. They have to respect their neighbor's property line. They have to. They have to be content within their own property line. If you have saving faith in Jesus this morning, then he has given lines of provisions in your life. Has he not? Daily bread, life's necessities, material possessions, jobs, or whatever, health. He has given those things to you. Are you content with what he has given you? Are we? Often we are not. We covet what others have. Do you covet what your neighbor has? I wish I had that. Man, if I just had that type of car. Man, if my kids were like that. If my spouse was like that woman's spouse. Man, my life would be all together. You're always wanting what the next person has. When you covet what other people have, you have stepped over your property line onto someone else's property, wanting what they have. And guess what? It's not yours. It's theirs. And you are discontent with what the Lord has given you. You're cursing your own blessing when you do that. And, and this attitude of entitlement Attitudes of God owes me breathes discontentment because we think we're entitled for it. Now, some of you are saying to yourself, well, is this pastor telling me I need to be content in a broken marriage? Is this pastor telling me I need to be content being unemployed or underemployed? Is this pastor telling me I need to be content with not being able to provide for my family? Is this pastor telling me I need to be content with living from paycheck to paycheck? Am I, is this pastor telling me I need to be content with being abused and used? No, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that you need to be content in a God who can deliver you from that. That's what you need to be content in. In a God who can deliver you from that. In a God who can speak into your pain and give you the answers that you need. In his timing. Because God is good all the time, despite our circumstances. Again, do you believe it? He is your cornerstone. He perfectly knows what you need. Don't you know that? He knows what you need. He's not just sitting up in heaven having a big party. He knows what his people need. And he will come to your aid. Romans 8.28 says, For we know that for the good of those who love... I messed that up. We know that God works for the good of all those who love Again, I messed it up. <laughs> God works together good. But thanks for, I can't even say it this morning. Please, someone quote that verse, please. 
Thank you. Man. See? Told you, I don't, I don't have it all together. In the end, if you believe that, that God will work your circumstances to your good, then you can say that lions will eventually fall for me in pleasant places. If you don't believe that, you won't believe his, your lions will fall for you that way. Again, it's focusing on him and what he can do. Because we all have a beautiful inheritance. Even if you look at your life and you don't have all the things you, you think you need, you have life. You have life. Is that not beautiful in itself? Those who grow in a contentment in him are enjoying him. Do you enjoy him that way? Are you content in him and what he has provided you? Next, there's a growing and delighting in his presence. Verse 7, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. David says Yahweh is his counselor, his advisor, the one who gives him guidance and direction. And you know what? David adores that. He delights in it. He delights in the counsel he gets from God's word and from God's spirit. Even his own heart instructs him in the night. His own heart does. He is living upon God. He is living with him in communion, in fellowship, in relationship. In relationship. Many of us does forget that. We are in relationship with Jesus. But we live as if we don't. We live as if we don't. And I've said this many times. We love Jesus far less than we sing about every morning, and we love this world far more than we think. We do. We love him far less. On Sunday morning, we all love Jesus. We all talk up his praise. But out in the world, out in the world, how does it go then? Do you live that way then? Do you love him then? Are you in a relationship with him then? David says, I set the Lord always before me. Always before me. He has intent. He's intentional about setting the Lord before him. Proactively, I'm going to set him before me. He's pursuing God. Following hard after God. And you know what? As a believer, we can do that. Unbelievers cannot sit the Lord continually before them. Well, they don't have the Spirit of God living in them. They don't have seven faith in Him. So you can't expect them to bow down to a God they don't know. Now we, on the other hand, who profess faith in Christ, can. But do we? Is it really more about Jesus in your life? Is it really more about Him and your family and your jobs? Or is it more about you or me? Who do you set continually before you? What is it? What's on the throne, people? What's on the throne of your heart and soul? David recognizes his, his daily need for the Lord's presence. You need that presence every day in communion, 
in fellowship, in relationship? Do you recognize the Father's your need for his presence in your life? Or do you just need a little bit of Jesus? Just enough to get you through the day. Just a little bit, Jesus. I got the rest. Do you need just a little bit of his word? Or all you can take in? Do we? He says, Yahweh is at his right hand. I shall not be shaken. David sees Yahweh as indispensable to his life. Yahweh is absolutely necessary for him in happy times and sad times. And that applies to you as well. If he's at your right hand, it's you saying, you can't go nowhere. I need you. You're indispensable to my life and what I'm going through. And because of him, you won't be moved. Your power, where does the power come from? From him. Him. He is the one that keeps you firm in, the, in life circumstances and difficulties. He is the one who delivers you. The Lord is close to his people. And what about each of you this morning? Where do you go for your counsel? Does your inner person instruct you this way? Do you continually set the Lord before you? Do you delight in his presence? Do you enjoy fellowshipping with Jesus? If you say you love him, if you say you enjoy him, then you should delight in him. His word should be more than just rules. It has to be life. And see, I'm not talking about emotionalism. I'm talking about a delightment in the Lord that comes from genuine fellowship with him. Through the Spirit, we commune with God in prayer through his word. It has to be more than just a black book on a coffee table that takes up dust. It has to be what Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's where it needs to be, for you. The word is the measuring stick of your life. Nothing else. No other creed, no other constitution, nothing else. The word is your standard for your life. Every decision you make has to be based upon scripture alone. should be. It sets the direction of your life. It's the source that shapes the way you view this world. Nothing else. It's scripture alone. Is that true for you? Through the spirit, the word penetrates our heart and soul, and it changes us from the inside out. Psalm 119.50 says, This is my comfort in my affliction, your promise gives me life. Where do you learn about God's promises? Where do you learn about God's promises? Now, if you don't go through his word, what does that mean? You're not going to learn about the promises. You just not. You won't know if God loves you. You won't know if God is for you. You won't know if God can deliver you. Then you open up your Bible and read it. And ask the Holy Spirit to give you encouragement to believe what you cannot believe at the present moment. You have to understand that his word is his fatherly instruction to his beloved sons and daughters. Instructions to you. Proverbs 4.13 says, 
Keep hold of my instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Instructions from the Lord. There is no substitute for the instructions that you get from God's word. You need it every day. And I'll be the first to say, every day I don't get in it. And that's my own sin. I struggle to. We all do. But we don't give up. We always come back. You can't just leave it on the bookshelf. You got to start seeing yourself like a car battery that can't keep a charge. That's what we like. We're car batteries that cannot keep a charge. Every day you need a spirit to jump on. Every day. Every day. You need it. The prayer and the word. And then the Holy Spirit is at the other end of the cable. He uses the word and prayer to jump you off spiritually. I mean, if you don't come, then you're going to be dead spiritually. You're going to be dry. Dry. Feel disconnected. So come. All who are thirsty, come. Without money, will you come to receive spiritual nourishment? We all need it. You just don't come to faith and and that's it. You got to grow. You need to be still connected to the life source. And we don't pray as we should. We don't read the words we should. And what do I need to do, Alex? Repent. This is where you need to start. Repent. That's where we all need to start. When we leave here today, don't go make a checklist. Get, Get on your knees and say, Jesus, forgive me. For I have loved other things more than you. I have loved other things more than you. Help me to love you more. You see, on this side of heaven, this is our reality. There's no tape. There's no conference. There's no book that's going to change the fact that you are a battery that can't hold a charge. It's just your reality. If you want to be different, you'll get there be different when you die and go to glory. On this side of heaven, we got to stay connected to the life source. Every day. Every day. Just embrace it. I learned to embrace it. I'm a car battery that can't hold a charge. That's all I'm going to be. And Jesus knows that. He is at your right hand. And through all that you go through, you won't be moved. Let your faith and trust and confidence be in him. Daily. Delight in his presence. And in doing so, you can say what David David says here in Psalm, in verse 9. Therefore, my heart is glad. My heart is glad. Can you say that? Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you not abandon my soul. You would not let the Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You can experience some those things now in your life, in the things that you go through. You can. A few Sundays ago, I, fin- uh, I was finished up some stuff here at the church. Uh, when I walked out, I spotted my family down here at the playground. And so I started making my way toward them. And then my son, Trayson, he spotted me. He started yelling, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And he took off and sprinted toward me, jumped into my arms, and I gave him a big old hug. That's a picture of a child who enjoys his father. 
Do you enjoy Jesus that way? Do you? If you don't, then you need to repent. Let us pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, that through Christ there can be enjoyment of you. That we can spend time with you. That we're no longer your enemy. We're no longer separated. We have been reconciled to you through faith in Jesus. And that we can know you. The creator of the universe calls us sons and daughters. That's a wonderful thing. And sometimes we don't think we think it's not. We think it, we think very little of it. That we can actually know you, grow in you, talk with you, commune with you, fellowship with you. I, I repent, Lord, for the times I take that for granted. I repent for the times when I think that's such a small thing. Spirit, help us not to see it as a small thing. Help us to see it as a, it's one of the greatest privileges of, the, of being here. That we can know the God of the universe who created all things. And so I pray as we leave here, Spirit, you would bend our hearts more toward him. That our love for him will increase. That we will grow in repenting. We will grow in loving him more. And we will grow in seeing that our God a good God, a good dad, that when we run to him, he gives us a, a good embrace because he likes us. He adores us. He dances over us with shouts of joy. He has inscribed us on the palm of his hands. And he says, if your mother and father forsake you, I never will. I never will. If God is for us, God is for us, who can, st who can stand against us? Nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And I pray, Lord, that we will meditate upon that truth all the day long. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.